You have to recognize too that we've been fed a big lie, a huge, very toxic piece of cultural mythology, which is that you are cursed once you start getting your period, cursed to suffer, cursed for it to be painful and problematic, and that is quote unquote just the way it is and always will be. When you buy into that as a little girl, when it's first told to you. Of course, what does that then make you do in relation to your body? It makes you do nothing. You become passive. You develop a disconnected relationship with these symptoms. Welcome to the Expanded Podcast with your host, Lacey Phillips. As a leading manifestation advisor with a process that's, well, radically different from the old New Age model, mine is rooted in psychology, neuroscience, and my energetic gifts. I created this podcast to help you expand your subconscious limiting beliefs about the potential of deserving the manifestations you're calling in. Therefore, you're tuning into this podcast series to show your subconscious that anything you desire is possible. And by pressing play, you've already started the process of manifesting it. update to give you today before we hop into the episode, which actually really parlays into the content of today's episode. So Maggie Harson, who will link her episode below, she was very early on in the podcast and her whole episode surrounds how she healed her body from everything, Crohn's, colitis, Lyme, um, adrenal fatigue. It's a really in-depth episode and it goes deeply into the sun, all super natural accessible remedies. And she listened to the Karen Hurd episode, which was a few episodes back. It's about the health protocol that I'm on. And she listened to it and sent me a voice note and was like, holy shit, Lacey, I didn't even think about it. But while I was healing in Peru, this is exactly how I ate. Even down to the fact that the specific area she was in, fats were very expensive. So that specific area didn't really use a lot of fat, so they weren't combining beans and fats. And we had the greatest laugh because I've been waiting for her to listen to this episode as I intuitively knew that had to be the case because I did the sun, which I continue to do. And the other natural remedies we talk about in that episode with her, however, it hasn't fully healed me. So I just, we had a big laugh and she's actually going to be following the Karen Herd protocol now a lot more closely and it was really confirming and very expanding for me because it was something I intuitively knew had to be the case because it does, again, follow many cultures around the world, their eating habits. It's actually really uh, ancestral. You know, we've just really lost it in a lot of Western cultures. And so that that was really exciting. And then as we start to parlay into today's episode, I do just want to preface it by saying that I am following the Karen Herb protocol through Unique Hammond and Karen entirely still, and it's going really well. I'm still seeing benefits after benefits. A new one is that I don't wake up in the middle of the night anymore. So I used to wake up every night after five hours of falling asleep and then have to, you know, kind of, I was just sort of 
either have a bite of protein or I would just stay awake for a few hours and then I'd go back to sleep. And now that isn't happening. I'm consistently sleeping eight to nine hours a night. We'll see if that continues. I did fall a little off the protocol around the holidays. I had a kombucha. I had a little bit of dairy and I got to instantly see the repercussions of that because I ended up this cycle my PMS cycle, my basal body chart always seems to go up, 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 up. And this time on day eight, it started going down, 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 down. So I saw the huge surge in estrogen. And so I was also being a little slacky on my beans. I was having them maybe three times a day, four max. So now I'm I'm heavy on it. And it actually, again, partners with today's episode so beautifully. So we'll parlay into that Today's episode is with goddess Elisa Vitti, who, if you've been following me for a long time, back when this brand was just my journal, my blog, you have certainly heard about Elisa Vitti and her first book, Woman Code, which became my Bible. I found it at 27. And in fact, it actually helped me heal my hormones multiple times before I went to go see the fertility acupuncturist that put me on herbs that pumped my hormones up to something I've never been able to rectify since this bean protocol. And it's just every woman's Bible. I mean, I think I've had every woman in my life read it who's working on themselves and their body. And I think many of you have probably done the same and you certainly won't be disappointed by engaging with that first book. And just as a disclaimer, so again, I'm following Karen Hurd's protocol to a T. That means I'm not doing any supplements, which we refer to in this as micronutrition. I really am giving this the deep try, you know, and I'm only seeing benefits from it. So I'm not on any supplements whatsoever. And I do think that you know, Elisa has some really great points she makes on beans through this and women's health and health in general. So today we cover a lot of the basics from her first book, Woman Code. And then we really go in depth about her new book, which is called In the Flow. And especially she's let every listener know that if you do go directly to intheflow.com to buy the book there, you'll get bonus material. And so we kind of go in depth of how I use her app, the MyFlow Tracker. And then we really just talk about macronutrients, micronutrients, ovulation cycles, hormonal cycles, what's going on when. And mostly when we get into In the Flow, we're really talking about how to systemize our life to really follow the way our hormones operate as women, which is so counterintuitive to what society tells us and how many of us function, myself certainly included, which has certainly led me to being so out of sync and function with my hormones. We also get into biohacking for women, which actually looks very different than for men, which I had no clue about. And, you know, teaching women how to use our 28-day cycle to optimize our time, diet, fitness, work, and relationship. So I think every one of you will find this to be an incredibly expansive episode. And again, just to be clear how I integrate Elisa's work with this bean protocol, which I've actually been doing since day one. The bean protocol is the complete structure for which I engage in eating and healing. However, I do use in Elisa's first book, Woman Code, she has a food chart. So that's the macronutrients. And she tells you how to eat for each of the four stages of your cycle. So 
I do follow that pretty closely. It's my shopping list. So I do. And it's funny because once you start to get a little bit in sync, or I'll say once I've started to get a little bit in sync, I start to crave those foods anyway. So, and for instance, in my ovulation phase, ovulatory phase, I'll crave a lot of those fresher sauerkraut, you know, ingredients that want, they're easier to digest. You, my microbiome wants to be reestablished after my cycle, you know, those lighter foods. And then certainly in my cycle, I crave a lot of seaweeds and beets and stuff that really help build the blood and replenish a lot of the minerals in the body that are being lost. So I think a lot of you will find that to be really interesting and you can find that in the first book. And then all of the other incredible information we cover, you can find in the new book which is again in theflow.com, where if you get the book directly there, you will find some great bonus content that you receive as a gift. All right, let's get into it. And I'm going to kick off with the question that I ask everybody. What is your cultural background and upbringing? Oh, my parents are from Italy from right outside of Rome. And I grew up in sort of as a first generation American. And yeah, that's, that's a big part of my background is the immigrant experience. And what about, this is something we ask every single guest, what is your sun sign? Or if you know your sun, your moon, your rising, enlighten us. I know all those things. Um, (laughs) I'm a sun and moon in Taurus and a, a rising Libra. Wonderful. That actually mm. makes a lot of sense. Does it? Going on. It really does. Well, I think so. <laughs> I have to kick this off by telling you that I found your first book, Woman Code, when I was 27, and I was mm. at the depth of just hormonal mayhem. And it was the book that I like to say saved my life back then. Mm. I mean, starting with the foundation of just getting my blood sugar stable to get my endocrine in place. So let's start there. Let's kind of, I mean, many people you can Google, you've heard Elisa's backstory of how she came into this from many other podcasts. So I would way rather extract a lot of wealth of information that can help people that are in these spaces now. And then moving into, of course, your new book, which really takes it deeper. But yeah, give us sort of the overview of A, how you discovered it and B, just the really important fundamentals of starting to get your hormones stable and in sync again. Well, I mean, I'm so happy to hear that the book served in your journey. I think that, you know, as women, we're living in a culture that does a couple of things really well. It really helps us become early on divorced from our operating system, our female operating system, whether that be physically with our endocrine system, or let's say energetically with our feminine energy. And that then has a fallback or blowback into the endocrine system. So from my vantage point of having worked with women in these reproductive and hormonal health issues for almost 20 years, however you experience things, whether you grew up with a lot of endocrine disruptive food, or you have an endocrine disruptive lifestyle, or you're just taking in all the cultural narrative about what it means to be a woman, all of that ends up, you know, disrupting your system as a female. And we all have to have some sort of journey back to our bodies to heal and repair that rupture. And so, you know, so many women in their twenties end up with 
severe issues like PMS or PCOS or fibroids or endometriosis, or just general, you know, hormonal dysfunction that they can't quite put a finger on, but they just don't feel good. And for me, you know, I had a whole very severe case of PCOS and, and I, I really appreciate it firsthand, just what that feels like to not feel good in your own skin. But I mean, I can't wait to start talking about the new book because I really, I know for a fact that nature has designed you in your female body to be feeling fantastic (laughs) and not just feeling good, but also have all the possible gifts that can allow you to be a change agent and do good in the world, which is, I think, one of the best ways to use our time here. How did I discover it? I I mean, it's through my own research in chronobiology, endocrinology, functional nutrition, looking at ancient nutrition systems like Chinese medicine and Ayurveda, and just really looking at how do we restore homeostasis in the endocrine system, right? And I'm a root cause thinker. So instead of treating symptoms, I'm interested in why did you get that symptom in the first place? And it turned out in my research, and again, this is research from 20 years ago, that's the basis of the Woman Code Book and the Flow Living Center, the Flow Protocol, and how we've been helping you know women around the world get back into hormonal balance. The revelation from my research was that the things that bring restore homeostasis to bring balance back to the endocrine system are universal. So even if you have fibroids and your friend has endometriosis or somebody else has PCOS or somebody just has garden variety PMS, the way to bring back balance is the same for everyone. And that is really powerful information because conventional thinking would say, well, we all have to do different things. But nature, and Einstein discovered this a long time ago, nature is elegant and efficient. So mm-hmm. in from an evolutionary point of view, your endocrine system you know, prefers to function in a particular way. And if you disrupt that, then you're going to you know, have symptoms. But the way to support it is the same because that endocrine system in you, in your friend, in your sister, it's all the same. What caused it to get disrupted could be that your friend drank a lot more coffee, you ate a lot more sugar, and your other friend lived near a golf course growing up. But to bring it back into balance, we all have to go through the same steps of restoring blood sugar, supporting the adrenals, reducing excess cortisol and inflammation, supporting the gut and the estrogen metabolism. And if you do those things in the correct order, it's amazing what your endocrine system will do with just that correct and correctly timed support. And I think that's what is so powerful about your book. It was really highlighting that the endocrine system is systematic. I mean, that was liberating to me. And if you do, like you just suggested, follow things in an order, which are very, very accessible and simplistic. You use micronutrients and the amount of times you eat a day and how you're detoxifying, like you said, metabolizing that estrogen. It is really, really accessible and tangible. And we won't spend a lot of time on that because the book Woman Code is widely available. But I think just to highlight some interesting things that you are so well known for, for the listener who would be living under a rock if they haven't heard of you, especially following this brand. Can you tell us a couple of fun things that I think are really important and basic, such as, you know, what should your period look like as a healthy period? Things like that. 
So yeah, I, I'm really proud of the fact that I made a little TV and feminist history going on the Dr. Oz show back in 2013 to, I was the first human being to do simulated menstrual blood on national television. And I'm shocked that that was the case. I didn't know that that was the case going into it when I suggested the segment, but I just thought, here's a really simple piece of, uh, it's a biomarker, the color and texture and quality of your blood every month is an at-home, like you're getting your lab results, right? Instead of going and doing a blood draw, you can get your lab results just by looking at your bleed every month. And I was teaching this to women for a decade and it always shocked me that this was not more commonly understood. So you have five potential permeations of what the color could look like or the texture could be and understanding if it's red and fresh cranberry color, that that's, that means your hormones are balanced. If it's brown, for example, or it looks like prune juice, that that could indicate some insufficiency with progesterone levels. That if it's very dark and clotty and heavy, that that could indicate excess levels of estrogen. If it's very light pink or light red, that that could indicate lower levels or insufficient levels of progesterone. And of course, the fifth category would be if it's like missing, right? And that's a, that can be a whole level of complexity of what hormones at play there. But just understanding that that's your very quick and easy baseline reference of like a self-check every month of how you're doing. And when I say how, what, how you're doing, I don't just mean how your period is doing. I mean, how the amalgamation or the, the sum of everything that you're doing with food and fitness and stress and life and self-care, how that has filtered in and affected your this big visible biomarker of your menstrual cycle. And then a few years after that segment, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists, you know, I'll never know if they were inspired by the segment or not, but I'm happy to have done my part. They made a decree that your period should be considered your fifth vital sign. And what that means is like, you know, when you go to the emergency room or any doctor's visit, they'll do your four vital signs, right? So your blood pressure, your temperature, things like that. Now for women or people who have female hormones, this, your period is your fifth vital sign and rightly so. And I think that we are at the beginning of what I hope will be all a flood of research being done on women's bodies because that has just been completely absent. And that's why we're, that's why over 50% of women are struggling with hormonal issues. And when you compare that to men, it's like not even on the same galaxy, it's under 10% of men who are struggling with hormonal issues and, and why, you know, I'm now sort of maybe segue into the next book, but the new book, but it, you know, if I can be so bold, which I think I can be Lacey on your podcast is that, you know, when we look at what is the patriarchy from a biological point of view, from the worldview that I look at everything through the lens of biology, it's just my, who I am to me, simply the patriarchy is just that a culture that has organized everything to support male hormonal patterns. And that's why we see men with fewer hormonal health issues and women with more. And that started to get me thinking, because again, I've been doing this for 20 years, taking care of women. And in the past 20 years with the, you know, the surge of wellness websites and books and information, you'd think by now everybody would know how to be healthy and we would have less hormonal problems, less infertility, less everything. But from, again, from where I sit, 
we've had more. It's so, so I say there's wellness, wellness everywhere, but women are sicker than ever before. And I started to look at that and say, what is going on? And again, because I'm a root cause person, that led me to the research that I then needed to write another book about, which is what In the Flow is all about. This is such an amazing lens to look through from a very root cause of a hormonal standpoint. So I can't wait to dig into that much deeper. Selfishly, I want to kind of pick your brain about a couple of fertility things because I've been struggling actually for four years to get pregnant. And in mm. fact, on Monday is my first IVF appointment after trying mm. to take like every natural approach, you know, within my realm of possibility. But essentially, I'm the category that's now very vast, which is unexplained infertility. It's where my labs come back perfect. Everything comes back perfect. No fibroids, yada, yada, yada. And essentially, I really wanted to dig in first before I kind of pick your brain on that front. Just kind of depicting again to the person who's not very familiar with how to I'm obviously very vastly familiar with it now, but how to determine if you are fertile. And in fact, how many days a month you even are fertile for the person who may want to steer clear of chemical, you know, birth control, and they may want to start tracking and learning how to determine that. And I know you're a big proponent of educating on how birth control affects our body. Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, <laughs> for so many reasons. I mean, I'll start with the birth control. We'll, we'll back into the tracking and then we'll talk a little bit about her fertility. But I think if you're someone who is using synthetic hormone replacement, AKA birth control, which could come in the form of pills or inserted devices or rings, or there's many ways that, that this all takes place now. But if it's secreting, emitting synthetic hormones, and you're using that because it was suggested to you that that would be a solution for your period problems, I want you to listen very carefully that that is not a good plan because the research is way in that it worsens those conditions over time. It causes micronutrient loss for the very micronutrients that your endocrine system needs to function and to heal from these issues in the first place. It increases inflammation dramatically in the body, which sets you up for other disease and autoimmune problems. And then of course, it fundamentally, so that's from the physical side and, and it, it prevents you from taking action in the short term long before you, let's say, want to get pregnant, if that's something that's in your future plans, let's say it's 10 years from now, instead of being in this state of suspended animation with your hormone symptoms, where you take no action for a decade, then you go off the pill, and now you're really stressed and in a rush to try to get pregnant, but you have to deal with 10 plus years of hormonal imbalance it's not going to be a pleasant experience, uh, nor is it going to be quick. And then, of course, you're going to have more stress and heartache about, you know, delaying your your time to become a mom. Instead of doing that, you want to take advantage of the fact that you know you have a hormonal imbalance. Don't put a Band-Aid over it with the synthetic hormone replacement or the birth control, any of the birth control medications. Get into action. I mean, you have to recognize too that we've been fed a big lie, a huge, very toxic piece of cultural mythology, which is that you are cursed 
once you start getting your period, cursed to suffer, cursed for it to be painful and problematic. And that is, quote unquote, just the way it is and always will be. When you buy into that as a little girl, when it's first told to you, of course, what does that then make you do in relation to your body? It makes you do nothing. You become passive. You develop a disconnected relationship with these symptoms. So again, you're perfectly primed to then receive a message in your 20s to say, or your teens to say, oh yeah, well, you know, these are problems that just can't be fixed. So take this pill and that's the best we can do. And you believe that to be true because you've been conditioned early on to be in that passive relationship, but it's all false. It's all propaganda. It's not true. And the science and the research is in that that is not a good way to go. You want to get into action, be in a compassionate, responsive relationship with your body. You ha- As soon as you have a symptom, this is where tracking comes into play. It's why I built the MyFlow uh, tracker because frankly, so many period problems you know, or so many period apps, they just kind of, first of all, they're built by men and they have these really sexist and patronizing sort of imagery attached to them. Like, oh, you're ovulating. So there's like a lipstick tube or a a stiletto heel to (laughs) indicate that you're now sexually available to men or something. It's really, there's a lot of like, not cool stuff being done. So I wanted to, to build something that, you know, aside from completely having none of that going on, I wanted to build something that where you could track a symptom anytime during the month and understand why you're having it from a functional medicine point of view. So for example, acne is a great example. We all experience it from time to time at different times of the month. And we are confused, like, why is this happening now? So some people, for example, will get a breakout during ovulation And then some women will get breakouts right before they start bleeding. And there are different hormonal reasons why you are breaking out at those two times. The app will tell you what is going on and then what to eat to get to clear that up, to support the system so that's not happening for you. And this is just information that should be available to us. You have an operating system. It functions in a predictable, easily explainable way. It's not this big, mysterious black hole of confusion and pain, which is, again, what they'd have us believe. It's explainable. It's predictable. It's so easy to interact with if you know what to do. And I just wanted to make that information super available. And if you haven't downloaded the MyFlow Tracker, please do so. It's a game-changing app. It's the top paid app that in the period category in the health and fitness section on iTunes. I mean, I've had it for years. I can put a golden stamp to it. (laughs) Thank you. It's like uh, sleep trackers and fitness trackers and heart rate monitors and the MyFlow app. So, you know, that tells you a lot about how women love the information. It's just unique. It's unique in the world as far as the content that you're getting. And I will say, just to interject for a second, I do have two other apps and the algorithm on it above everything else I've ever used. When my cycle does shift a little bit, it used to be 30 days based on acupuncture and then 28, 29, that it is always the quickest reactive to predict the correct date my cycle is going to come. So that's huge too. I'm glad. Yeah, I worked really hard on that algorithm. Um, (laughs) So I want to back up to just finish my thought. You know, I talked about the physical aspects of what the pill does to you. I just wanted to talk about the psychological aspects uh, for a minute because a, a new book is out by Dr. Sarah Hill 
that I think is really powerful. And she outlines basically, basically clarifies for us all that when you take this medication, it changes your brain chemically and structurally. You are no longer the same person. And that's important because you are your brain is wired in a particular way, which again, I outline a lot in, in the new book, In the Flow, and I'll, we'll go into that, I know, in a minute, but you're here to create things. And you're here to create things out of like this fertile void. And if you take this medication, that gets really shut down. And I've seen that over and over again in my practice over the years. I, I have women who transition off the pill and they discover that they want to be a screenwriter. They change their career. They become very successful. I was just on the phone last week with a celebrity out in Hollywood who got herself off the medication, the, the pill, and she's now discovered that she has this whole, she wants to start like an, uh, to become an activist essentially. And she has this whole foundation idea she wants to do. And, and, and I said, do you realize, I always say this to people, you realize that the the, your waking up to your creative power is exactly at the moment of you transitioning off this medication. There is something there for us to look at as a culture of women in the context of the patriarchy that I think is a bigger conversation, but I just want to lightly introduce it to you that there's so much more at stake for you making these decisions about taking this kind of medication. I love that. And then also, because I have a great segue from this, but if we just want to touch briefly on how to, how to, just as you can with your cycle, how to be able to track your fertility as well. Yeah, right. That was the question for before. So cervical fluid is the thing to be looking for the most, you know, mid cycle, you know, so you start the easiest way to, to understand when you'll start ovulating is to, you know, count from day one of your bleed and then count up to, you know, 12 days after that and then start really watching. So watch for cervical fluid, signs of cervical fluid. What is cervical fluid when it is fertile? It looks like clear egg white that you haven't cooked, that you haven't scrambled with the yolk. That's just that part of the egg. And you'll notice that when you're wiping up after you pee, you'll see it sort of shiny, sh shimmery on the toilet paper. That's what you want to see. And if you see that, then that's a great indication that you are in your fertile zone. That's one way to look. Another way to look, which you can learn about and see photos of in, in Dr. Tony Weschler's book, Taking Charge of Your Fertility, a great, you know, I think one of these days I'm going to put together I have collected over the years what I think are the essential books that women need to have in order to sort of self-education to liberation, you know, within this context that we live in. I think I'll put like a library list together for all of us. We should all have certain books in our book stands to Agreed. in our bookshelves. You know, and that's to just, a Bible. Absolutely. To get free, you know, to be free of like all this nonsense. Anyway, yeah, that's a great book. And she has pictures of how you can actually check for cervical position because the cervix moves throughout the month and depending on its position. So meaning you would feel for that by uh, getting familiar with the depth of your cervix by inserting fingers into your vaginal canal. And you would do that daily for, uh, you know, uh, one month so that you could feel how it moves. And then you would know which position for ovulation is your, you know, ovulatory cervical position. 
That's another way. The easiest way that I think most women have to track is using basal body temperature tracking. There's a great device called Daisy that allows you to take your basal body temperature, you take it orally, and then it uh, wirelessly connects to an app that just produces a, a basal body temperature chart for you every month, which I think is a great thing if you're trying to conceive. And then a, a, a super low key way to do it is you can do ovulation testing strips, which is something that you, you know, it's like a, it's like a pregnancy test, except you're, you, so you're urinating on the stick. Um, but instead of testing for pregnancy hormones, it's testing for an LH surge, which is also detectable via urine. So you can do that too. And there's, you know, when your LH is surging, that's uh, when we know fertility, the, the ovulation moment is, is upon you and you are in your peak fertile zone. And that can fluctuate by a few days every month. And that's important because the egg is really only viable for 24 to maybe 48 hours. So getting that accurate reading, if you're really trying to conceive and, you're, and you feel like you're somehow just missing it every month, doing that kind of tracking can be really helpful to pinpoint and time intercourse or sperm delivery in a way that really arrives at the egg when the egg is there and viable, not too early, not a day later. It's so important to get that timing. And, and the other reason why I want to share how specific it is, is because another big lie uh, that we're told is to fear pregnancy, that you could get pregnant anytime. And that's another reason like why you have actually at, much harder than you believe. <laughs> and that's what I was just going to say. Anybody who struggled to conceive will tell you that it is such a small window of time where this can happen each month, that this idea that is perpetrated to terrorize and terrify young girls out of exploring their sexuality for fear that they might get pregnant, you know, and I'm not condoning anything in particular here. What I'm just saying is that it, we should be given the correct information from the beginning so that we understand how our bodies work, how to work with them, how to support them. And so that we're not really just so confused and not getting out of our lives what we would like. I totally agree. And I think that also taking charge of your, of your fertility as well as the Bible for me, but for the person who is really resonating with everything Lisa is saying in terms of, you know, chemical birth control, that this book also really empowers you to naturally track and be preventative. It's a natural birth control as well. So I have to, unfortunately, wear a wearable because of my endocrine issues. I wake up many times throughout the night. And so mm. the daisy, which I have as well, it just won't read correctly. So I do the Ava right. for somebody else who may struggle with that. Good, good advice. Yep. And we have one more basic to cover. And then I think we'll have covered the majority of the basics. Uh, but okay, good. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'm sick of talking about this for the last time. Not minutes. at all. No, okay. not at all. I want to make sure I was saying, okay, good. I want to cover the basics. <laughs> good. You're like, I have a new book to talk about that's no, exciting. No, listen, it's, it's all a continuum. And I, I really appreciate that. Again, we are kept, we have been historically kept in such darkness about information about what how our bodies work that you know someone listening if you're listening and this is all new to you welcome i'm so happy that you're learning this today and i know that i will hear from you at some point saying things like gee i wish i would have known this sooner cuz that is literally what i hear from every single woman whenever i interact with them 
And it's true, we should have heard this all way, way younger. And you better believe that my five-year-old daughter is being raised in a very different way, specifically to, you know, address this, this education gap around being female, being in a female body and, and operating with a female hormonal system. Okay. And so the last big basic that, you know, I had no concept of this until I discovered your book at 27 is that we have four cycle stages of the month with our cycle. We have four different stages. Do you want to enlighten us on that who may not understand it? Yeah. So, and we'll dive way deeper into that in a minute, but what I will say is that most of us only appreciate our cycle again, from the point of view of what it is facilitating for for someone other than ourselves, right? So we understand ovulation because it could be about conception and we understand menstruation because it's very visible. And again, it means that there was a missed uh, conception. And so this is these are the two points of view that we tend to have like, okay, I'm ovulating or I'm bleeding. And then the rest of the time is the sort of like nebulous not sure what what is going on or if there's anything going on at all. But every human being is hormonal 24/7, men, women, children, older people, it's all we're all hormonal. And for women in their reproductive years, your one cycle contains four hormonal units, the follicular phase, the ovulatory phase, the luteal phase and the menstrual phase or I prefer to call it the bleeding phase, because again, it's no coincidence that we lack adequate vocabulary and precision around our biological reality. It is called a dictionary, of course. And (laughs) we don't get to have, like, it's like, I find it really ridiculous that it's like, oh, it's your menstrual cycle and your cycle and menstruation. And all of that could mean your bleeding week, but it can also mean the whole month. That is Mm. ridiculous. Let me assure you, in male reproductive biological terminology, there is no sharing of terms. One thing equals one function or one body part. There's no like, oh, you know, this could be this or this. Never doesn't happen, but it does for us. And I, that drives me nuts. So anyway, forgive me for ranting. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, we're going to go deeper into that. And I think yeah, it's we really, are. really important and truly empowering. And I'm, I'm really excited to be covering that. And I think saving more information on the different stages of our cycle will be really much more impactful when we can get into the, the entire lifestyle and, and brain chemistry and the, yeah, everything the new around book. it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So while I have you here, I'm selfishly going to ask you some supportive questions because what I did love- I was going to say, why haven't you reached out for a session? I mean, we can only do so much now. So ask me a few, but we should definitely follow up with some, it sounds like you need some help. So I'm happy to help out. Absolutely. And you know what I I love so much about when I did find Women Code, because I was on such a quest. I was like, I'm going to, and there were many times that Women Code brought me into absolute balance. And I I made one pivotal mistake when we first started trying to conceive three years ago that I ended up working with this acupuncturist who is phenomenal. He's super renowned. But because of the MTHFR and just my liver, I was not able to metabolize how much he pushed my hormones up. Therefore, I became like a massive overproducer of hormones. So Mm. that then dealt, I'm also like simultaneously 
always I don't have adequate enough amounts of adrenaline due to like stage four burnout (laughs) because of my company. So I always made the deal with myself. I was like at 35 because I do know I'll probably want multiple children. I'm going to freeze embryos. So that's the journey I'm on because I am Mm. quite, you know, confident that if I do do a transfer this time, I'll end up, you know, that's great. But I do think I'll be able to conceive naturally after. I just, mm. based on my timing, I'm like, what if I want four kids? <laughs> I'd like to freeze you my might. 35. If you're thinking that now, you might. I <laughs> and may. I will tell and then- you, having one, you know, yes, it's a very tumultuous experience and transition, but, you know, you just, it's hard to express the heart expansion that happens. And yes, if you can have more than one. And that's something your heart desires. You should, you should that's, have. That's what I feel. And honestly, I could also have one and be like, there's no way I'm one and done. So I just want that flexibility. And what I loved about Women Code originally is that you're also so supportive of people who are going through IVF. You know, this is equally as supportive, the yes. research you've come it's up with. It's all about, yeah. I mean, that's a thing too. I remember being in meetings early on with different uh, IVF facilities, they were interested in maybe partnering with Flow Living and we were having conversations and I was always really surprised. So I was always happy when they reached out to do that because that indicated to me that this was a facility that understood the impact of nutrition and supplementation on the IVF success rate. But then I was always very surprised when I would hear from patients who, you know, were going through the IVF process and were being told that they didn't need to change anything about their diet or lifestyle to go through the experience. When the research is really conclusive, like for example, just eating three avocados a week boosts the successful outcome of an IVF cycle by 50%. It's mind-blowing. So why wouldn't any, every IVF doctor be, say, okay, you got to have three avocados. Like that should just be standard protocol is looking at. Then of course the micronutrient factor, there's so much research about which micronutrients are essential to boost quality of eggs, sperm quality and quantity. Um, you know, the, the outcome of the IVF process, it's so important to dial in the macro and micronutrient piece. So macronutrients are food, micronutrients are supplements. And of course, I got so deep into the research around supplementation that I decided to formulate uh, what I consider sort of your baseline essential endocrine micronutrients that are supportive for any woman who's dealing with any sort of hormonal imbalance or period issue, who's transitioning off the pill and wants to address that micronutrient depletion that she's experienced while being on that medication or who's getting ready to go through the IVF process and wants to really supercharge her body. And so that's all, all the formulations are sold as one unit. Cause I didn't want you to, you know, just take one and not get reside. Like you have to have all of these. So they're all what we put together on the balance supplements, um, which I'm, I'm thrilled that are giving, giving so many women some needed support. Cause I know the world of supplements can be confusing. It can be questionable. There's a lot of endocrine disruptive fillers. You know, you just don't know if you're getting a therapeutic dose. And so I wanted to really do something that to solve that and address that as well. And those Um, are available on Flow Living. Yeah. Flowliving.com. Just click on the supplements tab and they're all there. I love Um, that. But yeah. So anyway, so I, I, I think it's really interesting. Acupuncture is a huge, hugely helpful technique. I do think, however, that you're not the first person I have heard from where the herbal support has been too stimulating. Mm. 
And again, this is why I think the first place to start is always with functional nutrition because you don't want to hyperstimulate the body, especially when every woman is starting off whatever journey, whether it's the conception journey through IVF or just trying to get her hormones back in balance. You're already coming from a place of depletion and stress and inflammation. So what you need is not a push. You need like a hug. You know, mm-hmm. you need to be held. You need to be nourished first. Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's like if a kid has a cold, you don't say, okay, get up and move around and you'll shake it off. You know, you make the soup, you put on the blankets and you nourish the child and wait patiently until the body has rested enough that it is getting stronger on its own. And I think that that's really important perspective to share that we want to take a more gentle, moderate approach with how we're healing. I think it's, it's always a, a good first place. You can, you can always escalate right? You can always add more salt to the soup, but you can't take the salt out. <laughs> so start with, start with the foundation of functional nutrition. Start there. It isn't the quick fix. It isn't as, let's say, sexy or exotic, but it is effective. And there's so much clinical data around what nutrition can do for the body that that's, it's just logical to start there as well. I firsthand fully agree and honestly didn't know know better and I just didn't realize how sensitive I was but yeah this is yeah. this is something that can happen so my big question and it's a very it's only one around IVF and then we'll have to connect separately my big question what stopped me from doing it a year ago was the moment I wrote in to be like, okay, I'm ready. Let's do it. They were like, cool, we're going to write your prescription of birth control. And I went, oh fuck. And that gave me another year of being like, no. And I talked to friends who are like, you don't have to do that. So what are kind of your do's and don'ts for somebody who leans more on the holistic side that you have options during that process? I know you guys guide a lot of women. So I'm quickly interrupting this episode to invite you if you're ready to start your manifestation journey or if anything you've heard in our manifestation episodes has piqued your interest to begin. We have a la carte workshops in everything from the basics bundle, which is what we recommend to everyone who starts. It's the formula that actually teaches you how to manifest, unblocked inner child and unblocked shadow. We also have a la carte workshops on love and money. But the real gem is the Pathway membership because it encompasses every single workshop we have. It's a year-long membership with full access to the few a la carte offerings we have and exclusive workshops not available anywhere else, such as the daily practice, which is what everybody in the Pathway uses, hopefully at least three times a week to daily in order to truly create the new neural pathways that one needs in order to manifest and houses the library of our deep imaginings, which is our unique hypnosis process that allows you to get into your subconscious and overwrite those old neural pathways, creating the new ones. You can use our special code EXPANDED, all caps, E-X-P-A-N-D-E-D, to receive $20 off your first a la carte workshop purchase or $20 off your first month of the pathway. Again, that's all caps, EXPANDED, E-X-P-A-N-D-E-D. Okay, 
Now back to the episode. What's wonderful now is that there are more and more options, right? So there isn't a one size fits all IVF process. And before you commit to a, a protocol with a particular physician or a center, you want to go and sit down with like four or five different types of centers that have, that are known for different things and get to understand their process because you're hiring them to help you with something. You want to make sure that you're hiring someone who's aligned with your values, aligned with your v desire for how the experience should be. And, you know, just emotionally is the right fit for you. I hear just way too often that, you know, women feel bullied or pressured in these situations. It should not be that way at all, at all, right? It should be, it should be a positive experience with a very compassionate um, person supporting you there. And those, those people exist in the fertility space, um, in the ART space, and you want to seek them out. Um, and then the other thing too, is that what I'm really excited about is some of the advancements that are happening at places like New Hope Fertility, where they're doing micro IVF or mm -hmm. gentle IVF, where they're using the least amount of hormones. They're doing the most minimal stimulation. Um, you know, there's a lot of exciting advancements happening in that regard. And so again, just getting that perspective and, and, and again, it's, a, it, it, I'm, I, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. So I would always start with the least amount of what can be done and escalate from there for a couple of reasons. The journey might be long, right? The success rate of these things doesn't have a great success rate. Mm -hmm. Right. So you may be in for multiple rounds. If you start with the biggest doses of everything and the full force, everything, you may end up with ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. You may, you know, have too much stimulation for your body to take. You may be, feel very hormonally sensitive from the synthetic hormone injections. You may wear your ovaries out so to speak, in terms of being hyperstimulated to produce so many follicles. And then you have some sort of like reduction in your egg output, um, your follicle output. So you want to start slow and gentle, see how your body responds, get used to the whole experience. And then again, add a little more salt every time. See if you can, you know, if you need to escalate the process, but I would do, I would go about it that way. Okay. I love that. Okay. That's really kind of what I, I intuited as well, instead of the Good. full shipping, knowing how sensitive I am. Yeah. And lastly, before we fully get into the, the new book, which I know will be equally supportive for this demographic, but one thing I wanted to cover and touch on are just your thoughts on the transition for perimenopause as well as menopause, supporting women in that space of their life. Mm. I love that transition. Um, it starts at 35. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, and I say that with like very tongue in cheek because we get, there's such a ridiculous and again, unnecessary stigma around perimenopause, just like there is around menstruation um, or puberty or anything that has to do with our bodies. Um, and it's predicated on lies and untruths and mythology and propaganda. 
um, it's almost as if it's on purpose, Lacey, you know? (laughs) So, you know, like puberty, which starts at uh, nine, ideally in in a healthy individual in the brain, right? When I mean puberty starts at nine in the brain, it means that the pituitary gland starts to slowly start to emit um, you know, new levels of hormones that slowly begin to talk to the ovaries. And that conversation, by the way, of establishing the hypothalamic pituitary ovarian axis, that starts at nine and does not complete until age 21. Wow. So pubescence is a 10-year journey on average. And perimenopause starts at 35, is a 20-year process. It's even more gentle and generous with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, 10 to, 15 years is the average, but there are outliers and, um, you know, some women don't stop and have their last bleed until 55. It's more average I mean, average my mom's still 51. bleeding. Yeah, 54, yeah. totally. Yeah, a- average is 51, but that average is dropping lower and lower because we're living in a, a more endocrine disruptive environment and uh, lifestyle, but we'll get into that too. Um, there was a very exciting study that came out uh, two years ago, two or three years ago. We published uh, a whole article on the blog. If you're not subscribed to the Flow Living uh, weekly newsletter, please do. We put information there that you're really not going to get anywhere else. I consider it the bleeding edge of women's health information. So you want to definitely uh, get that. Um, and we, we talked about this study that came out a couple of years ago that they found that just for the first time looking at can food impact, you know, perimenopause. And they found that, um, if you just increase legumes and omega-3 rich fish, three times a week, you can delay the onset of your very last bleed by up to three years. You know, I And wanna... that's just if you add two foods in, if you do all the things I tell you to do, <laughs> you know, then you will have what you're supposed to have, which is we're supposed to be maximally fertile for the maximum amount of time. That is how nature designs fertility in a, in a species, right? So, um, perimenopause should be a long and slow process. Um, and puberty too, just to go back to that for a second, you know, um, this is another reason why I'm so uh, adamant about getting this information about birth control pills out to young women who will someday be mothers because you want to protect that pubescent journey. You do not want to intersect, interrupt, shut down the body's attempt to try to establish a rhythmic hypothalamic pituitary ovarian conversation until after the age of 22. You do not want to be putting your teenage daughter on synthetic birth control. It is completely unstudied. There are no clinical human clinical trials of what that is uh, in terms of a short-term effects and long-term fertility effects. But from where I sit, the women who struggle the most with their fertility are women who've been on birth control pills from the youngest of ages, which now is getting even younger. And I've heard shocking conversations retold to me about how um, pediatricians of moms are, you know, starting the girls on Prozac like medication for the pubescent mood swings. And then as soon as they get their first bleed are putting them on birth control. And, you know, this is not something we should not be medicating our children's bodies at these young ages that they're just trying to get established. And these, these mood swings and adjustments, yes, they're turbulent. 
but they're, they're natural. And same thing with perimenopause. Um, your body very, very slowly through perimenopause is in microscopic concentrations, decrease, increasing the level of follicular stimulating hormone. And then you have a, um, like a, just a turbulence with estrogen and progesterone levels, right? As they downregulate to their new lower levels, once FSH is high enough where ovulation has stopped and menstruation is no longer necessary. And then you have your last bleed, which is called menopause. And then you count 12 months. As soon as you've crossed that 12 month mark, you then call yourself postmenopausal. So perimenopause refers to the time from 35 until your last bleed. It is slow. It is meant to be um, increasingly where you skipping periods more and more, that's normal and part of the process. And then you have your last period, which is menopause. And then after that, you're postmenopausal. I think it's important that we understand the proper terminology there too. Um, but you can do so much to, um, make the experience of your perimenopause journey very low to like minimal symptoms, right? This, uh, the mythology that it's going to be hot flashes and night sweats, and you know, you're going to be needing to get naked and run into a snowbank and your vagina is going to dry up. And I'm just thinking all the extreme things, right? You're going to age and lose your sex drive and right. That that's not supposed to happen at all. If you take care of yourself properly. I, I always make that conclusion of how you experience PMS and how you learn how to take care of that PMS week, the luteal phase. If you know how to take care of yourself in the luteal phase, which of course I teach you how to do um, in the cycle syncing method, which I know we're about to get into, um, you will be perfectly prepared to navigate your perimenopause journey. It's, uh, it's, a, it's not a complicated process. Well, this is the perfect segue to get into the flow. Let's get into the flow. Yay! Your new book, which I'm so excited. We've all, everybody's been waiting for you to put out a new oh, book. Thank you. Yeah, it's been, I, I, it's funny. I, uh, it's been a while. It's been, I've been busy since Woman Code came out in 2013. I've been building Flow Living, launching the app, um, put, putting these supplements together, having my child, you know, and then I, and I decided to write this book. It's taken me two years to write it. Wow. Um, and literally, I turned in the final pages in October, and here it is, January um, wow. 2020, and we're like publishing it. So it's been a whirlwind of <laughs> just nonstop. But I, I've been so um, eager to write this book because in the years since writing Woman Code and teaching and getting together with women to educate them, I just, um, I, I, I wanted to write the definitive guide to our operating system so that we could um, have an opportunity to to be fully expressed, as I as I like to say, and to be in our full potential. Um, so that's in in the flow. If I had to say it in like the the easiest way, is this is a book that unlike woman code, which is all about fixing your period issues, fixing hormonal problems, you know, in the flow is a book for every woman to read because it's about how do you architect a peak flow state in your body 
in your relationships and in your life and how that is gender specific from a biohacking point of view. And it's really exciting to be introducing this conversation to women, to the wellness community, to the biohacking community. Um, It's time. It's time for this. I love it. And the different avenues that it touches on in life or the different aspects of our life, because we don't realize how everything is so connected, which you do, you know, briefly start to outline in Woman Code, but it's from exercise to our brain chemistry to our energy levels. And it seems like this takes us far beyond all of that. Yeah, well, you know, again, I'm a researcher, so I've just and looking at the root cause, and I said, well, why is it? As I was saying earlier, why is it that 20 years into my practice, there's an increased epidemic of health issues? Why are women sicker and more stressed and more overwhelmed and more burnt out than ever before? We have more access to information and wellness content. What is going on? And what is going on is that we have fitness nutrition and medical research is ignoring our biological rhythm. And this is a big problem. In fact, in 1996, the National Institute of Health put a special task force committee together to uh, encourage researchers to include more women in their clinical trials. In 2016, there was a status report given, and the report said that progress had been slim to marginal. And the reason why this was put out in the first place was because the medical community realized how dangerous it is that they are essentially dosing medications, uh, anesthesia protocols uh, on for women uh, simply by tightering down um, from what is a, documented and studied on male body mass index. And they're just saying, well, this, a female is a slightly smaller male. So we'll just give her a slightly less and that should be fine. But medicine knows that that's not the case. And they're concerned about women, um, being given adequate care. And so they're looking for more research to be done. This is also true of fitness and nutrition. I mean, fitness and nutrition research came out of um, military research to try to help soldiers get adequate nutrition, um, you know, during wartime. And then it's turned into a whole other industry as things often do. But all of that research, everything that you've ever heard, like the diet trends, and I'll go into that a little bit more, like intermittent fasting and keto and um, high intensity interval training, the results from the research are exclusively beneficial to men. And um, what I was shocked to find in the research is just how contraindicated they are for women. But the big thing in this book that I'm introducing the wellness world to, to us as women, is a new term, a new biological term that we uh, need to have as part of our collective conversation, which is the infradian rhythm. Hmm. the infradian rhythm. So we all know about our circadian rhythm, right? Circadian rhythm is the 24 hour cycle that um, governs like cortisol output and melatonin production. And, um, you know, which parts of the day you have higher or lower blood pressure or higher, hotter or cooler body temperature. You know, we have certain things like this on a 24 hour cycle. Male hormonal biological rhythm specifically their testosterone hormone, follows a circadian-like pattern. So they, they make testosterone while they're sleeping, and then they wake up with it, 
first thing in the morning and then it falls off uh, later in the afternoon and it's rinse and repeat every single day. We also have biological rhythms that are shorter than a day. Those are called ultradian rhythms. Um, but we have this rhythm as females um, that is longer than a day called an infradian rhythm. And it for women uh, in humans, it is refer it we experience that in the course of our monthly cycle. However, the infradian rhythm affects five other systems of the body. So yes, we experience the rhythmic uh, impact on our monthly cycle, but it also affects your brain chemistry, your immune system, your metabolism, your microbiome, and your stress response system, as well as your period, right? And so when I looked at, when I, you know, when I sort of was researching and figured this all out, I said, oh my gosh, no wonder why we're all so sick and stressed and overwhelmed and burnt out, right? Because we are living in constant infradian rhythm disruption. Mm. Absolutely everything that you're doing with your self-care, your work, your fitness, your food, I, I guarantee you, you are doing it in a way that is disrupting your infradian rhythm and is making these six systems of your body, your brain, your immune system, your metabolism, your stress response system, your microbiome, and your reproductive system perform suboptimally, which is why you don't feel good, which is why you don't achieve what you want to achieve. You're just, you're disrupting that. So woman code um, was solving the root cause of why we have um, endocrine disruption um, in the flow is solving the the question of why are so many of us suffering in the first place? And it's really looking at this infradian rhythm disruption. And it's just such a powerful new lens through which to view absolutely everything. And why is it that way? Because again, what I said earlier, men have known about their biological rhythm forever. They study it extensively. And for example, Olympic athletes are trained in a way, the male Olympic athletes are trained in a way at specific times of the day to factor in and to take advantage of their hormonal biological patterns so that they can gain more lean muscle, reduce incidences of injury, take advantage of things like blood pressure and body temperature for training and recovery. I mean, it's really precise. And the biohacking community and its conversation, which a lot of women don't really resonate with, and rightly so, is very male oriented. Mm -hmm. You're going to biohack for this 24 hour cycle. There's even a lot of research. In fact, the Nobel prize was awarded to two geneticists who figured out genes that control the circadian rhythm. So there's a lot of going on now in the biohacking community about wear your blue light blocking glasses Mm -hmm. and protect your circadian rhythm. We have a lot of conversation around all of these things. And what ends up happening is men take full advantage of this. They organize their nutrition, their fitness their power mornings, their work life to leverage what is happening inside of this biological rhythm because that way they take care of their health. Like as just, it's just like a default, you're, you're less stressed and you're, you perform more efficiently. And also because then you get to, um, thrive in your life when you're feet, when you feel good, you build energy. And then with that extra energy, you can do good things in your work life, in your, in your relationships, in your, you know, whatever. Um, 
that's all set up that way for men. But for women, we are not taught how this works. We don't know even that it had a name. And so we ignore it. We're actually taught to ignore it. Like you're hormonal. You should try not to be hormonal. You should avoid trying to, you know, that's a liability. Um, You should try to be the same each and every day because that's how men are. And that's even if it's unspoken, that's where it comes from. We should Mm -hmm. try to squeeze ourselves into the same routines every day, even though it feels unnatural, even though we feel like we're fighting our nature and pushing ourselves most of the time, we should strive to do that because that is how we're going to make it. These are the, these are the unconscious, um, collective unconscious kind of threads that we are picking up and it's, it's hurting us physically and, uh, you know, emotionally as well. And what do we see as the biggest contributors to um, disrupting that that rhythm that we're not even familiar with, which I can't, I don't even know how to pronounce because I've never heard of it before. Infradian, I-N-F-R-A, infradian, D-I-A-N, infradian, infradian, yes. How are we disrupting it? Um, Anybody here listening do one of those power morning things (laughs) where you force yourself to get up at like five or 6am and you do a super intense workout and then you meditate and then you journal and then you try to like do as much as you can early on in the day. Um, Drink your upgraded coffee, all of that disrupting your infradian rhythm. I'll explain why in a minute. Um, Anybody, um, oh, let's see, do eating... Uh, you know, you've, you've found quote unquote, what you think is going to be the, the nutrition plan that is right for you. And essentially you're eating the same way every day, the same amount of calories and you're restricting calories to some extent. And you do that every single day, no matter what day it is, you're disrupting your infrading rhythm. Anybody really committed to a particular type of workout? Uh, uh, I don't know, soul cycle or spin classes. I, and I'm not trying to call it particular brands, um, <laughs> spin classes or boot camps or um, at home workouts that are high intensity interval training based, you're part of some sort of online membership and you do the same workout each and every day, you're disrupting your infradian rhythm. Um, anyone, uh, tr- you know, making a lot of plans in advance, uh, in your calendar, not knowing when you're going to have certain brain structural changes, which we'll talk about. And then you get to that time of the, uh, the calendar where you're supposed to go and do something and you physically viscerally feel like that is the absolute last thing you want to do, but you push yourself to do it anyway. And after you do it, you're super drained. Great example of what it actually feels like to be in disruption of that infradian rhythm where you just continuously are draining your energy. Wow. You're chronically tired and stressed. And Oh, by the way, you have PMS or other hormonal issues that are getting worse and worse with time. Your libido is missing. You feel stressed and anxious, uh, you know, infradian disruption. And what do you, I mean, I guess this is where we'll get into it with the last 15 minutes we have left. What do you see? I mean, in the book is clearly going to outline us, but the core most important things for women to keep in mind to rebalance this, the different lifestyle and nutritional uh, patterning that that need to be put forward in order to to recognize well, this. First, and heal let it. me let me first just do one more little bit of sure. the one hundred and one here before we get into the how to. But essentially, what I want you to know is 
Um, your metabolism, your brain, your immune system, they're different throughout this one turn of the infradian cycle. So within a 30-day period, right, and it doesn't matter if you have a 28-day cycle or a 26-day cycle or a 30 or 32-day cycle, that's all within normal range, right? 26 to 32 days, normal range, whatever's normal for you, as long as it's consistent. Um, if it's shorter than that or longer than that, then you've got something going on that needs, uh, you know, you back up into woman code and get that sorted out. But um, within a month period of time, whatever a month is for you, um, your brain uh, is structurally different by 25% over the course of the month. This was discovered in 1998 by Dr. Catherine Woolley at Northwestern University. You are not the same person week over week throughout those four phases that we talked about before, the follicular, the ovulatory, the luteal, and the menstrual. You have Your brain is stimulated, hyper-stimulated by these different hormonal ratios in particular regions of the brain. So for example, in the ovulatory phase, you're hyper-stimulated with a super dose of estrogen and it's, it supercharges the verbal and social centers of the brain. So, you know, when you think about uh, life management, project planning at work or at home with your children, with your partner, with friends, this is the time where you want to give a presentation, ask for a raise, go on a date, uh, plan a play date with your the friends, neighbors, or have a family gathering, like plan for that. This is when it's going to feel effortless, where you aren't going to do it and have your energy drained. You're going to do it and it's going to work completely in alignment with that stage of where you are with the infradian rhythm. Your metabolism is different throughout the cycle. So for example, this is very powerful information to know. And I started seeing this in my practice a long time ago when in the mid 2000s, um, uh, women were training for triathlons as a way to get fit. There was this like trend in like 2005 and six and seven where women were like, Oh, I'm going to train for a triathlon and that's going to get me in shape instead of doing like a detox, right? That was the thing that was trendy. And at the end of this experience, women would come to me and they would say, I, gee, I don't understand Lisa. I was running every day and cycling and whatever, swimming. And I gained 20 pounds. What, what happened? And I said, well, you were doing the same workout every single day. That's what happened. Your metabolism is slower in the first half of your cycle and faster in the second half of your cycle in varying stages, right? So you can get away with eating less and doing cardio-based and high-intensity-based training in the first half of your cycle when metabolism is slower, right? Because you have more energy stores available to you. And this will result in gaining lean muscle and utilizing fat stores efficiently, whether you're trying to lose weight or not. This is just an optimal time for you to be supporting your metabolism the way that it's meant to work. If you continue to do those same workouts and eat the same, let's say, low-carb, low-fat diet in the second half of your cycle, when metabolism speeds up, you will turn on fat storage and turn on muscle wasting, destabilize your blood sugar, jack up cortisol levels, dysregulate your mood, and, and fry your adrenals. Hello. Okay. Just to be like real specific. This is all precise. You don't have to guess what should I do. So you have to change what you're eating. You have to eat differently. So 
I'm here to just set the record straight that we've been, um, you know, it drives me crazy. I, I go and I, I break down like intermittent fasting, for example, all the health benefits that you've heard about that research has been exclusively done. Those results are exclusively available to men and postmenopausal women because after menopause, your infrading rhythm is no longer active, right? Oh, wow. So, so if you're going to use intermittent fasting, you should do it if you're male or you're postmenopausal because then, yes, it will slow down aging, reduce metabolic strain, improve insulin sensitivity, um, slow cellular age, like all the benefits, right? Right. Improve cognitive performance. If the studies that have come, that I dug, dug through so many things to pull out for you in this book, if you do it, in your reproductive years, it has the extreme opposite result. You worsen insulin sensitivity, you dysregulate your mood, you increase cortisol levels, and oh, by the way, you shrink your ovaries. I did do it for a while and it was horrific for me. It was actually right okay, before that's I found just your intermittent book. fasting. Yeah, this is, that's just intermittent fasting. Then there's keto which will throw off your thyroid and definitely mess with your period. I have so many women who will come to us, come to Flow Living after doing keto. And they're like, oh, you should see how many women on these keto Facebook groups are like, gee, what happened to my period? It's gone <laughs> after a couple of months of keto. All, you know, so I put all this research into making sure that you had all the up-to-date studies on what is really the real deal here. Because we're being... It's frustrating to me, the gender bias in fitness and nutrition, the sort of neglect that we are receiving in the research trickles down into wellness content and how we're being presented information. Again, when the intermittent fasting thing came out, it was like, this is the biohacking community's like exciting new development. It's good for everybody. Everybody should be doing it. Where is the gender specificity in biohacking? It, it has to be there. We are equal beings and should be treated equally in, in law in politics and all of these other ways, right. In corporate environments, but we are different when it comes to what we need from a healthcare point of view. And we should be given the, we should be treated equally respect, respecting those differences. Right. And so, um, we're respecting the male biological patterns, we are ignoring the female ones and just telling women who are 90% of the consumer base of the wellness conversation, just try it. And, you know, maybe if it doesn't work, it's your fault. You didn't do it right. Or, I mean, that's like kind of how women feel afterwards, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, it must be me. It must be me that this workout, I'm not losing weight. Or it must be me that this diet isn't giving me the results that everybody else is getting. Something's wrong with me, right? And again, and again, that cycle of oppression continues, right? Because now you that now you're self-criticizing, which is again completely unnecessary if we have the correct information. And totally um, rampant in general. <laughs> and totally rampant in general. But which I look at from look, what's the root cause of all of our self-criticism? It's being deprived of this education about our operating system. Period. That's incredible. Period. So this book hopefully will put an end to that. And so I go through all that. That's just section one of the book. 
this is a big book. This book is almost 400 pages. Don't put, don't let that put you off. If you read woman code, you know how I write. It's very approachable. It's like, it's a, it's a page turner. (laughs) Um, I just wanted you to have the definitive guide to your operating system. Section two of in the flow is going to take you through how do you actually support your infradian rhythm in your own body. So you have to change what you eat each week. Of course, now, now, you know, you have four hormonal ratios that happen over the course of the month. You are chemically different. Your metabolism is different. You have to change what you eat. If you're eating the same way every day, you're disrupting your infradian rhythm fact. So you have to change what you're eating. I break it down. Every chapter has a chart so that this is not complicated because I know you might be feeling a little overwhelmed. No, no, it's something new I have to learn. Don't worry. It's, there's a chart. You have each of the four phases. There's foods. There's even recipes in the back of the book so you can make these foods in an easy way and get really... Um, uh, in the flow faster, how to exercise and when to do which exercises. Again, there's a chart there. And then this is also just a personal thing that I had to figure out on my own. Like, how do we factor in our infradian rhythm into our time management? right? Because all time management planners that you've ever used only factor in the circadian rhythm. So I built for myself a time management system that factors in both the circadian rhythm and the infradian rhythm so that I could thrive. And I put that in uh, chapter uh, six of this book of In the Flow. It's in this book. Um, I'm so It's so important that you have that because I know what it feels like to you know, use one of these planners or try to, you know, be productive and, and you just, it doesn't work and you think you're a failure before your day even starts. Um, it's just not, it's just not the case. Um, also when you, uh, order the book, you're going to get some free gifts. If you go to in the flow book.com, um, forward slash bonus. And one of the things you're going to get in there is like, what power mornings look like with the infradian rhythm. Cause this whole like conversation of like, it only can be one way that's yeah, that works if you're, if you have testicles, but if you have ovaries, it's a different way. And I've outlined that for you too. Um, and then section three of the book is really, once you are taking care of your infradian rhythm, how do you then apply that to the areas of your life that are outside of your physical health? Right? So how do you apply that in your career? How do you leverage this in your career? Like, you know, like men do all the time. How do you leverage this in your career? How do you leverage this in sex and relationships? I was shocked to find that 60% of women are sexually unsatisfied, but it makes sense because if you don't know how your, your libido and your orgasmic potential is impacted by your infradian rhythm, then you don't know how to work with it to achieve consistent, pleasurable, results. Um, so I mapped that out for you too. Um, and then motherhood as a, as a mom, I was happy to find that this was a a lifesaver as a mom to be able to plan all the busy work of motherhood around my infrading rhythm keeps me totally low stress when it comes to motherhood. So it makes it much more sustainable. So this idea that you have to do it all as much as you can in one day you let that go. So I'm hopefully liberating you by educating you about your infrading rhythm from this 24 hour construct that is making you sick and stressed and overwhelmed and introducing you to this, the reality that you work with timing. 
you have a much more expanded uh, experience of timing than men do. Men fall off the cliff every day at three o'clock. That's why biohacking is so popular among men, right? At three o'clock every day, men lose stamina, mental focus, energy, sex drive, uh, social interaction, desire, like all of it, they fall off this cliff. So they need nootropics, upgraded coffee, you know, ice baths, whatever they're doing to try to stimulate their bodies, right? Because they, they, from 5am, they get their huge cortisol and testosterone boost. They have to front load absolutely everything first thing in the morning before three o'clock to maximize their potential for one 24 hour period. That's all they've got. You don't work that way. Um, men are micronutrient wasters and they have a less efficient biological process simply because they don't 3d print tiny humans. Um, because we do, um, we are much more efficient, uh, users of nutrients and our energy is much more sustainable over periods of time. So you don't fall off the cliff. If you're hormonally balanced, if you're taking care of your infradian rhythm, you don't fall off this cliff in the afternoon. Um, you have sustained energy and increasing energy throughout the month. And I know this, so you don't need to do all this extreme biohacking stuff. You just need to support your infradian rhythm. And I know this firsthand because, you know, I've been caffeine-free, sugar-free, uh, dairy-free and gluten-free, but that's not relevant here for 20 years. And I do all that I do without any stimulation. I don't even really take adaptogens. I might take them sporadically, but I'm not on any of them to boost my energy. It all comes from, again, doing the the most logical thing, which is if you support the body's system and its preferred orientation, its preferred uh, modus operandi, which in the infradian rhythm, it has this predictable pattern. If you support that, you yield all the benefits of energy, balanced mood. And I'm somebody who used to struggle with uh, anxiety and depression as part of my PCOS, um, weight stabilization, um, you know, cognitive um, clarity, uh, creativity, productivity, just, you know, all of it increase, like your libido is good. Like it's all, you're supposed to feel fantastic and really, um, aligning with this, um, in freedom rhythm is the key to unlocking, uh, your best health and your best life. And of course I, you know, discovering this for myself years ago, put together and, you know, I, I introduced this concept of the cycle syncing method years ago in woman code. Um, but the cycle syncing method, uh, is basically the system I created to have you learn how to eat, exercise, and, uh, work in a way that supports this infradian rhythm. We have a whole membership platform for you to called flow 28 to help you, um, really take this to the next level with workout videos and grocery lists and menus and recipes. And it's all, um, it's, a, you know, I'm really excited to see a movement of women on social media growing around, um, cycle syncing and the cycle syncing method, because I, I really think it's the future of, of wellness for women. Truthfully, you know, I'm so grateful and I'm really grateful because this is really 2.0 essentially, uh, you know, um, it's like I'm thinking digestibly through everything you've been saying. And I'm like, of course, I've taken my adrenals <laughs> to their very max and had a burnout. And so yeah. I know you've sprinkled it throughout the episode, but we have to wrap. Can you tell us where we can find the book, which you told us, obviously the app, uh, everything? 
intheflowbook.com and flow of course is has no w in my world yes <laughs> so intheflowbook.com um depending on when you listen to this episode um you you know should definitely make sure that you order on that website and get the bonuses there um and then of course in the book there's a page of resources in the back where you get even more um, free content, um, to support you in your journey to really transform your life. The app is myflowtracker.com. Not to be confused with another app that is just called flow. Um, that's a whole other conversation, but myflowtracker.com. And then, um, let's see. And then flowliving.com, you know, sign up for the newsletter and, um, you can find the supplements there. You can find our um, the digital version of the flow protocol. If you want a lot more handholding to go through that experience, we have, of course, our health coaches who can help you, you know, if you have more specific questions, uh, flow living is, uh, the sort of the world's first digital hormone health center. So if you need any deeper support, that's the place to go for that. Thanks. But in the flowbook.com for sure. Uh, this is, this is the book I would like you to read for, for now to get, to get this information that you deserve in your brain. It's part of your birthright to know this. Thank you so much for everything and in, in your work, your body of work and how you continue to show up and support women on every level. It is, it is greatly appreciated over here. And I know that you will have many listeners from this episode who greatly appreciate it as well. Thank you for having me and uh, holding space for such a deep, rich conversation. Have a beautiful day. And we, I hope to talk to you very soon with the next project. Yes. <laughs> Take care. Thank you so much for tuning into the episode. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, we did. And in case you're not totally ready to join the pathway yet, I wanted to share a few of our free offerings that I'll often suggest to people as a little bit of a blueprint to get them started on their manifestation journey. The first place I like to direct people completely for free is the motivation. You can see it linked below or on our homepage as our testimony library. And it's categorized by different subjects, whether you're calling in career, money, love, wellness, and much more. When you're reading about a member's experience of what they manifested, you're actually seeing to believe and showing your subconscious that that very thing is possible for you. The second place I like to direct people is to the free clarity exercise, which is also linked below. In it, you get to try our own unique hypnosis process, learn about the science and some journaling prompts. And the best part about this, you'll get a tiny taste of what it's like to go into your hypnotic state, bring your subconscious forward and create new neural pathways while receiving clarity. And the third thing, if you haven't listened to it on this podcast yet, please go back to the episode titled Manifestation 101, where you'll learn the basics of neural manifestation to truly understand this process. So go ahead and check out those free resources, the motivation, the free clarity exercise, and the episode Manifestation 101, all linked below. And in an effort to make sure to have representation in this process series, go ahead and submit any process testimonials you have, especially to our LGBTQ plus community, our BIPOC, as well as the WISE, which is anyone in the community who is 45 and over. All right, we'll be back next week.